So we'll begin our session with this technology ceremony, renouncing our devices, relinquishing and letting go. And really, this is not so much about putting your cell phone in the basket, but it's about honoring this sense of making room for something deeper. We let go in order to learn refuge in something deeper. So the opportunity is, the invitation is to offer your devices, your technology, that they are ways of connecting with the world. They're not inherently bad. It doesn't mean they're against the Dharma somehow. But in this context, in this context, we're learning a different way, a different way of connecting with ourselves, maybe even a different way of feeling connected to the world in the silence as we've been hearing about, just resting the heart, resting, settling, resting the heart. So this is all a skillful means. And we each have our different ways of letting go. We're letting go of our cell phones. We're inviting this to support the container. We might also have other things we want to let go of. We talked about renouncing, judging, fixing, and comparing mind. So when you come up to the basket, you might put your judgment in the basket. Offer it to the Buddha. So happy. He's so happy with your offering. Other things you might want to leave behind. If it's striving, if it's this effortful striving we heard about from Yang, maybe we put it down the basket. The self-enlightenment project. Maybe we put that in the basket, right? Whatever we feel like isn't serving us anymore, this is the opportunity to let go in order to invite in something new. Something new. In some ways, I love the story of the raft that we heard about. Maybe this is, we're already on the other shore, and it's time to let go of the raft. Maybe it's a view or an old, outgrown belief that you're ready to relinquish in order to become a new kind of dharma, maybe. So inviting a kind of creativity really leaning into what it feels like to let go because we might be scared and we might have resistance to letting go but actually the true act of letting go usually feels pretty good we like it the heart like oh can exhale often so we're going to do this ceremony together and there's something very powerful about ritual space where we move our bodies together And you might just feel as we're navigating this space, as a whole flow, some of you have done this a lot, some of you it might be new, we're going to flow through space together. And the idea is you're going to come down the outside aisles, so forming two lines, coming down this way, offering your technology, devices, judgment, whatever you want to, to the baskets here, which will be kept so safely and securely for you throughout the week. Maybe make sure your cell phones are turned off first. So we'll do that, let them go, offer, offer to the Buddha, and then you'll find your your seat again. And we're going to do this in a fairly efficient way. So I'll just be ringing the bell in a kind of flowing way, and we'll do this parade as a flow, coming down the two sides and then flowing back to your seat. Okay? And for those who, for whatever reason, you might have family at home or it's really impossible to let go of your cell phone, that's okay. No judgment here either, right? You're taking care of yourself in your own way. 
And this really isn't about rules or doing it right or being the right yogi. This is really the spirit of simplicity. And that looks different for each of us. So that's the invitation. Even if you're not having a cell phone in a bag that you're offering to the basket, think about what you might want to offer. We come up together. Okay? Stay in your body and feel the kind of ritual. It's a powerful ritual as we're going to do this together. Yeah, the flow of it. Okay, so as you're ready, you can all rise and you form lines and come on down. We can just start right away, just coming down and flowing here. I'll be ringing the bell as the Buddha celebrates your practice. Oh, here we go. You can keep coming. Yeah, keep coming. Yeah, we're just going to flow. Yep. Good.
just maybe taking a moment to again feel that in your body if there is a kind of ripple effect of this physical release this act of letting go does anybody feel happy I'm feeling it up here. There's some lightness in the room. Thank you so much for your practice of Nikama renunciation. Good. We can celebrate that together. So this evening, every evening, we'll be sharing some reflections on the heart practices, heart practices of the Brahma Viharas, often translated as the sacred uh, abodes, the divine abidings. I like to think about them as a safe place to live. It's a good place to live, these heart practices. So I'll offer some reflections on metta in particular this evening, but also in general, offer an, an overview, a brief overview of all these four. And Yang began in his exquisite talk this afternoon, mentioning upekka, equanimity. So we always begin with metta. Actually, we don't always begin with metta. Sometimes we start with equanimity. But we hear a lot about metta, often translated as loving kindness. In Sanskrit, mitra. I really like thinking about metta as friendliness. A kind of just basic responsiveness. That rather than trying to be a nicer person or working on cultivating this like friendly, this goodness, a kindness, I have to be kind. Rather than that, it's already in us. It's more just this response. We're responding all the time, aren't we? You can feel it in the room. There's a kind of rippling a kind of sensitivity and attunement. As you walked in, I was sitting here feeling this kind of gentleness that we're cultivating, this quietude. That's also metta, very simple, very simple kind of care. It doesn't have to be big or bright. So really what we're doing with this basic goodness is realizing it's here, the heart's nature is responsiveness. It's happening all the time. It's quivering here, here. And what metta practice does, the cultivation, simply recognizes that we probably have a lot of stuff covering over that basic friendliness. Often. Often it's fear. 
like very vulnerability, right? We're very sensitive. We're so tender underneath. So we cover, we armor up, we got to, you know, defend and protect. That's very human. The world is pretty scary. So it's natural that we have these defenses and a lot of stuff covering over, frozenness, a lot of that armor that covers. But the basic nature of this heart mind that we're talking about, this presencing is in the body, sensitivity, responsiveness. Already here. Already here. So it's natural that when we do these heart practices, we don't always feel so kind because what we're doing is we're encountering all those layers of hurt, of protection, of fear. So natural, it's normal that when we start to tap into the heart, you might have even encountered some of that today. Anxiety, anger, aggression, frozenness, stuckness, numbness. This is all part of the heart practice. We often talk about it's like running a heart or running a magnet over the heart and all of the broken bits, all this stuff rises up. And it's order in order to be seen. It wants to be seen. It wants to be accompanied by us in our practice, to be held with this kindness, with this friendly intention. And so as we deepen in the practice and we encounter all those layers, The idea is not to feel kind all the time, but just to trust that we have this responsive intention. We have a caring heart that wants to hold. It wants to open underneath. It just takes a lot of patience, a lot of trust, to know that we're just wading down through these layers. We have to honor these layers. They're going to release on their own timing. So not to push or have an agenda about the way they release or how. That's very important because they're protecting us. We need them. So it's a kind of bow. It's a kind of holding even of all of those layers. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm freezing. I'm here. There's a kind of accompaniment even in the freezing or in the wanting distraction or in the getting all bound up in rumination or, or aversion. So it's both. It's both this resting in and trusting our nature, and there is a kind of patient diligence that we cultivate again and again. We keep trusting the heart. We keep going with phrases or these intentions. Sometimes it's just a word or another step on the ground. So it's both. It's both passive. It's allowing, accepting, and it's an active kind of, I'm doing this practice because I trust it. Joseph Goldstein, our beloved teacher, he's in retreat right now, right next door, three-month retreat. You can feel his practice. This is what he says. He says, on the relative level, love and compassion are states we cultivate. And on the ultimate level, they're the response of nature of the mind itself. So just a bit on these Brahma Viharas, these safe places to live, good place, protective place to live. Metta, if we think about that as basic goodness, friendliness, that basic goodness, when it encounters suffering, becomes karuna, compassion, this wish to be free of the suffering. 
Metta, when encountering happiness and joy, it celebrates, and that becomes mudita, appreciative joy. The kind of, I'm happy that you're happy. Right? Celebrating together. And then the fourth, this basic goodness, as Yang really so clearly described, it holds it all. It's just looking over. And we need upeka to keep us in a good perspective, to keep us wise. Because these other three, they get out of balance if they don't have all of the others informing them. And especially upeka has this kind of steadiness. We get all blown around by like, oh, I really want to be happy and I really want to be free of suffering, right? We even get exuberant about joyfulness. And upeka keeps us very steady, grounded in our seat on the earth. So Caroline Jones, who's the resident teacher at the Forest Refuge with her colleague Paul Burroughs, wrote this kind of poem. It's really a deep teaching called The Four Sublime Abidings. And listen clearly because she's naming how they study each other, how they relate to each other. So they say metta, the love that connects, is an antidote to all forms of aversion. It's not attachment. If it slides into sentimentality, there's that near miss the Yang was talking about. If it slides into sentimentality, karuna brings the heart back into balance. Karuna, the love that responds, is an antidote to cruelty. It's not pity. If it slides into sorrow, mudita brings the heart back into balance. Mudita, the love that celebrates, is an antidote to envy. It is not competitive. If it slides into agitated excitement, upeka brings the heart back into balance. Upeka, the love that allows, is the antidote to partiality. It is not indifference. If it slides into disconnection, metta brings the heart back into balance. So we need all four of these. And through the week we'll be touching just briefly in on each, kind of just different flavor of the same kind of basic responsiveness that's in us. So I think the beauty of metta, this practice of friendliness, we'll do a little bit here soon, is that when we start to really be present for ourselves, as you've been doing all day, you might feel touched by the light of the sunset, or maybe you had a walk in the woods and the crunch of the snow. As I was walking over here in the dark, there was a couple deer that startled, and I could hear their crunch of the hooves with me in the, in the forest. And then there's another bird, sound of birds. Sometimes we hear owls in the woods. So waking up, really presencing to all of the, especially nature, but everything around us all the time, we start to see that mindfulness actually is already metta. There's a deep kindness that you're offering to yourself 
as you come back again and again into the breathing body. So if it helps to frame this whole week as your goodness practice, just doing friendliness all week long, befriending again and again each moment, that's A+. plus. Very good frame. Mindfulness is metta. And sometimes it's hard to access this for ourselves. It's easy to think, oh, I'm right. A lot of us, we spend our lives in service to people through our work, through our families, our responsibilities. We're in service to others. But traditionally, we start with ourselves because it's supposed to be the easiest place to start. But I think given a lot of cultural conditioning, starting with friendliness for ourselves can be very difficult. Very difficult. So what I found for myself is that there's a lot of uh, value in not only offering, but learning to receive. Receiving this kind of care. Allowing my practice, my heart, my body to be accompanied, to be held, to be held. So to share this brief story, I've spent a lot of time, I think as I mentioned, in in cabin retreat up in the forest and the mountains in Oregon. And it's pretty intense. I'm not one that likes to be alone so much. And it's very rustic, not a lot of, no electricity, so long, dark nights and a lot of quietude, not, not a lot going on up there. And because I was in retreat for so long, I was really going kind of deep, digging down into some of these layers and I hit a pocket of unprocessed trauma that I didn't even know was in my body. It was right in the middle of the winter a couple years ago. And what happened to my body, I didn't even really know what was happening because I'd never had this kind of panic, but I was having all these heart palpitations, a lot of tension around the heart and just like fear uh, palpitations. And then it felt like my heart would stop and it would pound and pound and it would get worse when I meditated. So there's a lot of processing, okay, just trying to be with this body, trying to hold it, trying to do all the things I know to do. I did yoga, I chanted, I did all the things. And at some point, I felt like this deep surrender. It's like nothing was working. My heart was all seized up. I remember walking up the mountain where I could see a wider vista and just lying face down on the ground. I was reminded of this in Yang's story, like just this sense of just putting my body on the earth, like letting this heart, so much going on in this heart, just touching it, touching it to the earth, this sense of deep connection and how big that earth body was, like how she felt, it felt like she could hold all the intensity that was in me. And that, again and again, did that a lot, actually. Just learning. You know, and I could, I could feel my heart pound, and then this kind of freeze would come, and then there would be a more release into the trust of the earth beneath me, the steadiness. It's like a process, right? Opening and closing and opening and closing. But ultimately, really, I tap into again and again, in my practice even now, sometimes that heart thing happens. I just remember this sense of lying, just lying, the whole body face down on the earth, touching the earth. And sometimes I even like to think about that, the Bhumi Sparsha that Yang mentioned. I think maybe that's what the Buddha was doing. Maybe he felt also scared. 
And he was asking the earth for her accompaniment, maybe. Maybe. So I learned, I learned about receiving care from the earth, and then I called my doctor, (laughs) just to make sure that I wasn't dying. So there's that kind of accompaniment too. We have to be creative about how we find care, how we find our hearts to be held. How does it feel to be held? And that could mean all kinds of different things here in retreat. Of course, we're in a particular environment, but there's the invitation to be creative, to find your own way. So let's just do a little bit of meditation together. This is a receiving care practice. And if you've had a lot of words and you're kind of tired, really just feel like you can let these words wash right over you. Continue your own practice in your own way. But we'll just do a very gentle, caring moment practice. And it's especially important to feel supported in your body, in metta, in all the Brahma Vihara practices. So see, just tune into your posture and see if there's some way that you can feel a little more cozy, another layer, another support, just really feeling the metta already in taking care of the body. Whatever you need. It's okay to move to a chair if you'd like to, just really feeling into what the body might need. And then as you're ready, we'll just spend a few moments going inside and feeling how the body is now. The stillness in the movement, the movement in the stillness. You might just feel how this mindfulness of the body, this body fullness, there's already a responsiveness. There's a sensitivity that we have, a connection. We're connecting with the body. And maybe can we tune into this part of us that's already friendly, already holding our experience with a tender heart.
Now staying in the body, we'll use our imagination now so we can be kind of playful even and curious as you use your imagination to travel back. It could be something recent or something more farther away in the past, thinking of a moment where you felt really held, really cared for. This could have been a moment in nature, just like lying your body on the earth. Or swimming in a body of water, feeling held by the water. Could have been with another being, an animal, friend, a pet, maybe a baby. A time with an elder, your madrina, your godmother, your parents, some mentor figure, could be really anybody you feel unconditional love, that they hold you in this kind of care. And again, sometimes people are complicated, so feel free to feel it in nature. Or maybe it's a caring moment in your hammock. I'm just staying curious. You don't have to find the perfect caring moment, but see what your mind lands on in terms of a moment that you felt really seen, accepted just as you are, held in a kind of deep care, unconditional kind of respect. And if you can't think of a moment, it's okay. Maybe placing a heart, hand on the heart, hand on the belly, letting this be your caring moment. But if you have a memory in mind, letting yourself really inhabit that moment. Remembering your posture, all the sensations in your body in this moment when you felt truly held, accompanied, cared for. And it's okay if you feel numb or frozen. It's hard to receive sometimes. You allow all of these feelings knowing that the intention is just to learn. We're offering, we're learning, giving and receiving. And just allowing the body, the heart to receive the goodness of your intention for practice. Just imprinting how it feels to be held unconditionally loved, a sense of connection and care. 
And as we inhabit this memory, see if you can notice other sensations you might not remember right away. Like were there sounds in your environment? Are there other visual details you might not have noticed? Textures, sensations in the body, maybe thoughts or feelings in the heart. Let yourself really take this in and imprint, imprint this caring moment in your body. If at any time this feels too intense or tiring, you can return just to the simple experience of the body in this moment. And if it feels interesting to continue, we just keep learning. We're learning. How is it to open and receive in this way? Staying very connected to the sensations in the body. Even if you don't feel anything, that's still a feeling. So letting your body teach you as we continue with this caring moment.
a little bit like we're acknowledging the redwood trees and our roots that are connected to so many other roots. How is it to see that, acknowledge it, and receive the support? And now just in the last few minutes of the meditation, maybe taking a little deeper breath and on the exhale, let go of any images, any effort to receive, really any effort at all. Just let yourself be very simple here. Letting awareness do the practice. You can trust it. It's already here. There's really nothing to do, nowhere to go. Just rest.
So we'll close with a poem, and this is an interpretation of a poem by an early Buddhist nun who was said to be free. And her name was Mitta, friend. Full of trust, you left home and soon learned to walk the path, making yourself a friend to everyone and making everyone a friend. When the whole world is your friend, fear will find no place to call home. And when you make the mind your friend, you'll know what trust really means. Listen, I have followed this path of friendship to its end. And I can say with absolute certainty, it will lead you home. I have followed this path of friendship to its end. And I can say with absolute certainty, it will lead you home. Mm.